Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This to me is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-blowing. Welcome back to Conspiratormal, guys. Hey. Yeah. Rob is here. About to I'm here. You're here. Sir Fail's here. The baby birds are here. Oh. <laughs> We're all here. It's awesome. <laughs> are you are you Rob, are you starting to become like that uh, wizard in Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit that has the birds living in his beard? Oh, what was that guy's name? I can't remember his name either. It's like Blardagast or something bizarre. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and uh, Serfia, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, ready for another episode? Yeah. Not on the, not on the production assembly line tonight. No, sir. So we got a uh, good old trusty Rob here, vaping and drinking. What I do, <laughs> hey guys. We got the guest on the line uh, as we usually do, and this is a guest that I had on a couple of years ago, and we talked about his book called "The Grays Have Been Framed," and I got a lot of good response on that one. And I got requested not too long ago uh, after I had a certain guest on to have this guest and Red Pill Junkie, and we had Red Pill on a few shows ago, and now we've got Jack Brewer back. Jack, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, it's it's always good to have you. I mean, that, that um, show that we did with you a couple of years ago got a lot of good response on it. Um, I, I mean, it was, to me... Um, I, I just I really just wanted to talk to you about all the stuff that was in your book and it's a it's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it for anybody to read if you want to find out what's going on with um the skullduggery or so to speak in the UFO world and I got just like a great response over it. So you you have a lot of fans out there, Jack. Well, that's always great to hear. I, I'm really glad to hear that. And there is so much of that that can be covered. I mean, I, my book was, you know, well over 200 pages, and some of the major 
stories of, as you put it, skullduggery I didn't even touch on. And that's not to say that there's not something behind, you know, reported UFOs or reported alien abductions and that kind of thing. Uh, maybe there is some of the reports, but there is certainly a, a whole lot of smoke and mirrors going on, and I think it helps to shine some light on that sometimes. Yeah, we, uh, Rob and I, we actually got to hang out with you in Roswell. Right, in, right. Uh, What's the name of that conference? I think it was like Alternatives to the Alien Theory or something. Yeah, ET hypothesis. yeah. Like, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that was our really good friend, Guy Malone, who's also been a guest on this show several times. And uh, that was a real like eye-opening experience because that was you and Nick Redfern and Greg Bishop and Guy, of course, and uh, Dr. Heiser, uh, Joe Jordan. So it was kind of an interesting mix of people because <laughs> you had kind of like the, the Christian side of it and then you had the more kind of just... Um, spec, uh, skeptical side like yourself and Greg and uh, Nick. So that was an interesting mix. Um, it, it was an interesting, an interesting conference. Yeah. What was some of the other things that you might've left out of the book that um, you think that you should, people should know about? Well, there's just generally speaking, we tend to come to this topic or field, for lack of a better term, open-minded and willing to look at things, and that's good, but it, it should also be remembered that when people have fantastic stories and sensational claims, the possibility that the claim is accurate or is not accurate are not equal. And and we tend to look at it like if we're being moderate, well, then maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But it, it a more accurate way to look at that or a more appropriate way would be that the burden of proof is on a, a researcher or an organization to, to prove a claim or to prove an extraordinary um, assertion as compared to just looking at it that, that you know, like maybe you went to the store today, maybe you didn't. It's not a fair comparison, you know, and yeah. when someone's talking about just absolutely extraordinary circumstances. So the other, other um, cases I didn't even get into in the book, you know, with all of um, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer comes to mind, the... Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the uh, just extraordinary assertions that when, when you look at them closely really don't hold up. And again, we get the argument, well, you know, you can't prove it's not true. And of course, we don't have to. And, and especially the more extraordinary the assertion, the more important it is that the best you can do sometimes is just suspend judgment waiting on more information. And we, we have his actions. We have the Stan Romanek case. Oh, we have, geez. yeah. 
you, you know, just uh, we could just go down a list of of uh, topics that an argument can be made almost don't even uh, justify attention. They're they're so top heavy of claims compared to. Uh, valid information presented, evidence, you know. Right. Yeah, the the San Romanek stuff is just amazing in its just ridiculousness. I mean, I, have you watched the documentary that was on Netflix? I do not think I... If I did, it's been a few years, but I yeah. don't think I did watch it, no. Yeah, I, I, I knew about the whole alien in the... Um, peeking through the window <laughs> video <laughs> right? and all that. Right. But there's so much other just like, I mean, he, he was setting up some just ridiculous things. Like he was, um, he said that there was like a little girl outside that was his hybrid daughter. And it looked like he had just like stapled this picture in between the posts on the deck. Like it was just so obvious and mm. he made all these ridiculous assertions about like uh, guys coming and beating him up, and then just the whole kitty porn stuff that he said that that was um, the government coming after him, ex- right? Except for the fact that like, and they put it on his computer. Except for the fact that the cops found kitty porn on his on a USB drive in his house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it it was bad. I I by chance I met one of the filmmakers at, at a, a meeting one time, a UFO group meeting, and then a couple years after that, they actually finished up the film and all. And I interviewed him and his partner by phone, and. It, I, you know, it's their film. They can make it any way they want. I might would have gone with a little more objectivity, whereas they seem to be more promoting the story than I would have been comfortable with if I was them. But then, like you say, when the whole police stuff started and on top of all of the other claims, I did get that. Um, a police report from the Loveland Police Department Uh out in Colorado. And for what it, you know, the the Romanek supporters, you know, can just always fall back on, well, that's part of the cover-up. But for what it's worth, the, uh, the detectives in the case were very clear that they didn't think a fight had even taken place, that they thought the scene of the alleged uh, assault on Romanek was staged and they couldn't find any witnesses that uh, corroborated the events and get, went into detail about why they thought it was staged too. And uh, just time and time and time again, his stories don't add up yet. Um, I don't know. What can you say? Belief is a hell of a drug. I mean, what mm-hmm. can you say? Yeah. Because there were so many things with Ro- Romanek where he would just foster these beliefs 
And, and I think he may have had some anomalous things happen, but I think he just, it was just, you got, he's, he's, he wanted to um, repeat these things and that are not repeatable. So he just started making things up and, you know, the whole alien in the, in the door is that's completely, you know, bogus him beating himself. I mean, saying that he got beaten up by these guys when he actually beat himself up, like in fight club, it was, was completely bogus. But so he just had like, he had, he had this like performance pressure that he had to give. Cause like he almost had like a little cult that followed him. And that's kind of like something yeah. about a lot of these guys and Stephen Greer, especially they have a very cult like mentality. Yeah, there really are a lot of uh, parallels that can be drawn there, and it is um, like uh, religious indoctrination or cult-like indoctrination, and I I think Carol Rainey is uh, working on a book, and her the things she observed in her relationship with with uh, Bud Hopkins in the 80s and 90s and up until his death that she had a background with uh, real strong religious beliefs and I believe she's going to be paralleling some of that with the uh, alien abduction phenomenon and the people that just become really rigid in their their commitment to it has to be this it can't be anything else and um the the belief is almost impenetrable and just no matter what happens it's perceived that that's confirmation of the belief no matter how much other people might even see the same evidence it's suggesting something different right do you what about some of the other like some of like the researchers that are maybe like on the, the religious side that say, you know, it's like, this is all demonic. And, you know, I I've noticed that some of the, even them, well, um, none of which that I really know, but the other people that they will tend to use the same kind of pattern of like saying, well, like it was the Nephilim and these type of things. And what about some of those guys? Do you think that there's that kind of like a same, that same kind of mentality? Generally speaking, I think with all of the different hypotheses, you can see some of the same confirmation bias from one theory or hypothesis to the next. Um, In a lot of these, it seems like it's all the same material, but you can just change the perpetrator and call it an alien or a demon or a CIA agent mind control or Mm -hmm. different things. And perhaps there even is some merit to some of those, some of the different theories from one case to another but as you're saying we definitely need to keep a support system around us and stay grounded in some other things to not become overly 
immersed in just everything, every piece of evidence, every story seems to confirm what we're what we become predisposed to see in in these reports. You talk about in the blog, going over to your blog, the UFO Trail, which is an excellent blog, by the way. Um, Thank you. You do, lot, you do a lot of good work on it. Um, one of the ones that I I looked at today was looking at QAnon and kind of contrasting that to the UFO community, which is a connection that I hadn't really thought of. But I guess what you're drawing that connection is there's a similar pattern between the two. There is. We could take off right away with the the confirmation bias and the impenetrable beliefs that it the you know the QAnon followers are really amazing in the extent that they do not doubt and just stay committed to the underlying theme of this uh, Q person is a uh, insider in the Trump administration and that they're getting uh, coded messages and that the president's giving coded messages and some of the ideas they think that they're deciphering are just incredible. And some of them do overlap into uh, the the UFO narrative and some of the, the players overlap between uh, – the the UFO stories and themes and, and QAnon and it it does seem real similar in a lot of ways about the way people can be manipulated and like I I mentioned the Bud Hopkins and the alien abduction theme a few minutes ago. And in the 80s and 90s it, it was smaller groups. Uh that, you know, at a MUFON, even a large, large international meeting, you, you might have a few hundred people. Um, a thousand would be a huge crowd. Where now with social media and this QAnon movement is like manipulating untold numbers of people, you mm-hmm. know, just en masse uh, indoctrination, for lack of a better term. And it, there, it, it has to be taken note by um, intelligence agencies, um, even just your your garden variety uh dishonest or or, um, person lacking integrity that might want to manipulate people in large numbers. It's amazing the way social media and the internet has opened that up compared to what it used to be prior to, you know, the big internet revolution. Yeah. You draw on those, how, how, how many parallels there are to disclosure. It's like people waiting around for their inside guys to mm-hmm. reveal whatever the secrets are. It's just this is not UFOs. This is the uh, political situation or whatever. I think that's a great point. Um, I, I get uh, 
I get a, a lot of criticism about it, but I think you can draw similarities between QAnon and TTSA, you know, to the stars and DeLong, and that the the core group of um, really committed followers just it, it doesn't matter how empty the statements are, how empty the promises are, how many things don't don't come to pass they they're just not going to see it that way and i think that's a really good point between the political landscape and QAnon and and the disclosure movement and you know as we mentioned greer um he and stephen bassett and and some of those kind of laid the groundwork now for the uh the ttsa movement and um, some of the things that are are more incredible and more difficult to um, not not just believe, but like it's it's almost like we don't even expect evidence anymore. Like you can just say that a study was done on people and the effects of UFOs on them, and we all just say, oh, okay, great, that's cool. And like not ex like we won't ever even expect to want to know who did that and who were the doctors and where the reports and what journals was it given to and who reviewed it. And right. it, it's kind of an insult to intelligence in a way, but there probably are some key points to that, but it's it's just so sensationalized that, that it's like no one even cares about getting to the actual substance of the claim. Right. Right. It's, yeah. You just say that it's there. And but nobody really wants to do the work, and some of that I think is just plain laziness and just the culture that we're in, where everything is like the ten second sound bite. Nobody wants to do the kind of work that mm -hmm. like you do, you know, because I mean you spend a lot of time tracing down all this stuff and like Freedom of Information filing, Freedom of Information Act, all that stuff is available to people. And all this stuff is available, but nobody's really taking the time to really look into it like well, somebody like you is. And that's like a symptom of it becoming uh, this mass thing now versus, yeah. you know, in the past, it was kind of more niche, people who were really into the stuff. But now that it's this really mass media phenomenon, it's people right. people who aren't into doing research or reading books and stuff. It's just... Sound bites. Yeah, yeah, that that's for sure. And it, it takes a long time, you know. We we want stuff and we want it now and it it months, years on these FOIA requests just to find out where else you need to file them or how you need to ask the question differently. And yeah, we're we're a, a a instant gratification society, and and we're impatient. We want stuff quick. Yeah, I'm surprised everybody's taking the time to, to go through and read like the whole Mueller report right now because it's like what 400 and something pages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, since we're on the subject of to the Stars Academy and all this stuff. You know, when I talked to you before, none of that had really come out. I think that DeLong was just setting that up 
essentially back in 2016, 2017. And then we had, then we had the New York times article in December of 2017. And I just kind of want to get your basic thoughts on all this, like this, the, the alloys and and all this stuff. I mean, I, I, I try to kind of keep myself kind of informed about this, but, but kind of take a neutral stance on it. But, it's it's very divisive right now in the UFO community. Yeah, it is. And I was reading a, a blog that I generally like more than not a few nights ago, and they were expressing some discontent that DeLong and To The Stars have had information for quite some time, but aren't presenting it in, in a, a scientific way or aren't aren't conducting any scientific research on the information. And I mentioned that to a friend and they said, well, you know, DeLong and them never claimed they were going to do scientific work. They said they were going to do entertainment. And I thought that that's a fair point. They, uh, they sure imply that they're serious, you know, and they like to throw their credentials around, his group does, and uh, talk about their former employment and all the experience they have. And overall, I'm real disappointed in the lack of substance. I'm I'm disappointed in the Times for running that piece that they did and then... Uh, not not following up or not holding their sources accountable for making these claims about you know the facility that was um, set up in Vegas to house the alloys and uh, it's just disappointing and and the study I mentioned before about I, I was particularly interested in wow a study on people and the effects on them physiological changes I think the article claimed and I thought well how would you know that wouldn't you like have to have a, a before and after and like I'd really like to know the details of that and like what institution review board looked it over and uh, how was it approved and reviewed and it's really disappointing that an outlet like the Times wouldn't delve into any of those kinds of questions and just tonight right before we we started recording Mm -hmm. a story broke about the Defense Department is going to uh take another look at its policy and and possibly do some uh some different protocol on how the topic can be a little less stigmatized and pilots and credible witnesses can report UFOs in the service and the navy and they they mentioned some of the TTSA personnel in the article I think it was uh, Politico I think I think published it. And 
uh, you know, I can appreciate that, but again, we're kind of looking at at something from the point of view of what it means to you. Like, what what does UFO mean to one of us as compared to a Navy pilot or or UAP, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena to the public as compared to a radar operator. And from from the latter point of view, like the North American Aerospace Defense Command, uh, NORAD, has like since the late 1950s, has they've always been interested in bogeys or things that they don't know that they're not expecting. And what is that mm-hmm. when when they get a hit or when pilots see things? And so I think a good argument can be made that the UFO topic gets pushed aside and we tend to uh, kind of be embarrassed about it and it is stigmatized. But at the same time, the other side of that argument is uh, the the national defense issues have, have really always been in place of if something's flying in airspace that they can't identify what it is, they want to know more about it. So it... it it's kind of tricky as to whether that's really a, an overly sensational story or exactly what does it mean that when we're saying we want military people to talk more about, you know, unidentified things in the sky is you kind of get to where you're splitting hairs there as and in, in the article's defense, it didn't make clear that, that, the Navy isn't even implying that it expects these objects are alien or extraterrestrial in nature. But even when they say that, like as a disclaimer, there still seems to be a lot of underlying theme here that there's something really weird going on or it wouldn't really even be news or you wouldn't be wouldn't be talking to TTSA about it so kind of again you just kind of got to take it with a grain of salt and see if any actual substance comes out of it yeah yeah well yeah it it what you're saying is like it's changing you're changing the name you're just changing uh, this is not news essentially really and it, there's a there's a bit of sensationalism that is comes out with this too i i think so yeah, yeah. and again i think you can make a valid argument that the ufo topic isn't taken as seriously as a national security threat as it might warrant and at the same time you could argue well you know how many of these reports are actually anything more than somebody says they saw something yeah. and you know it, it again you have to look at the specific report and the specific evidence and not just these generalizations of you know this mountain of evidence and then you say well show me one give me one report that's really really 
good. And I know people would argue the Nimitz or they'd argue this or that or the other. And I, I'm not denying that people report seeing things in the sky that they don't know what they are. I, I just think that, as you just said, it, a lot of it gets really sensationalized because people will buy it and read it and click on it and, you know, other things like that. Right. Well, we live in the age of clickbait now. So that's, that's how mm-hmm. it is. You know, the, the big thing that I don't get... And that I'm, I, I no, I don't, I haven't really gotten like a real clear answer on it. Is maybe there isn't a clear answer, but the metal alloys. This is the part that I'm just where. I mean, where are they saying these come from? Like, what are these? You know what? I I don't know really what's going on with these metal alloys. I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing. I know. That was that's another thing I was interested in along with the alleged uh physiological changes in the witnesses. I, I was of course interested in these alloys and uh have tried a couple FOIA requests that are pending and hopefully we'll learn some more specifics about it. I know that um, Elizondo with TTSA has done some some uh, presentations on various alloys, but it still seems pretty sketchy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Basterfield over at his blog, uh, I think... Uh, scientific ufos or or something like that it's keith basterfield's blog he's really tracked that aspect of it hard and we're still just kind of waiting to see my general feeling on it just what i've generally put together is that that MUFON and Bass relationship was to try to get physical trace evidence. Maybe they got some things from there that then came to Bass and Bigelow and into the A-tip. He seems to have also gotten some alleged UFO debris from various other sources over the years and stories and and legends that were passed down. And then recently, I did a blog post uh, where some MUFON personnel were complaining about the actions of leadership and Chase Kletsky, and she was involved in a case out of Oklahoma, or at least she was aware of as the director of investigations at the time, where some MUFON Oklahoma uh, field investigators allegedly got some some kind of debris and Elizondo picked it up and it was supposed to be analyzed by someone or other and that's about as far as that story got because maybe it will maybe it won't be part of their upcoming television series and you know the <laughs> right uh-huh. I know, right you can't yeah. even keep a straight face through that one right you know right. it's going to be there you know we can't tell you yet yeah. because it's going on tv 
This, yeah, this is which, the part, Jack, that if this has been my soapbox now for the, like the last few episodes is like, this is the part that I cannot stand is that back in the day, the UFO community was so vociferously against the government, the air force, whatever for saying, we can't tell you now it's the UFO community that are saying, we can't tell you, but it's going to change the world, but we just can't tell you yet. That just, it just, that, it just jumps all over complaint. me. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a valid complaint. It, it really is. And I generally, if you just asked me, you know, general opinion on the this UFO debris fragment wreckage, I I don't care for it. I'm I'm very unconvinced. I've seen over the years the different reports on on the uh, chemical makeup of different materials that were supposed to have been retrieved from possible crash sites and it'll depend on who you ask as to how extraordinary it may or may not be and it, it's always just unconvincing and and some people will argue about it and and the more mainstream uh engineers and chemists will say you know you gotta uh x percent um an x percent a degree of mistake and error one way or the other and it's just really not telling us anything and it, it I, i've never seen anything conclusive come out of any of those kind of tests of metal fragments mm-hmm. and that was before all of this ambiguity and storytelling and you know we really got a smoking gun here so i'm gonna call a and e about it instead of producing it and <laughs> Letting the rest of the planet know, right? You know? And the, the scientific world, if if these were materials that couldn't be replicated with our technology now, I mean, they would. This would be the smoking gun. This would, yeah. I mean, they would love to jump all over this, and actually, you know, this would further the the cause, right? But where are they? Right, right. Well, Sirfield, did you want to talk well, a little bit? I about want to the- say they they seem just more to serve, like you know, the whole thing with Pasolco we were talking about. Uh, they serve as just the relics of this new UFO religion, and mm-hmm. other than that, you know, well, just like the Catholic Church, you know, has these relics. You can't, you know, a lot of them are hidden away or behind glass, you know, and they'll only once in a while they'll let you know some scientists come and analyze a shroud of Turin or something, but you know, it's. It's yeah. pretty much off limits. The gatekeepers. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, well, I think we were drawing, you were drawing a uh, comparison to like the antiquarian stuff. And I yeah, think that that's, that's something because I've been studying a lot of the antiquarianism and, and, you know, people who would, you know, dig up these supposed relics that would prove their alternative history hypothesis and, you know, I mean, there's plenty of precedent for people, you know, making stuff up and having physical objects that are supposed to prove this or that theory, you know, and they always keep them under lock and key. I mean, Mormonism came out of that. It's, you know, it's it's kind of an old game. So to me, I just haven't been impressed with the idea. 
No, I I completely agree with that. I I've never been impressed with any of the um, fragments, and I I can really appreciate that they try. Uh, you know, some of the UFO researchers might very well be completely sincere, but we're always going to come back to the best you can do is just suspend judgment and you, you can't like reason your way into proving that a alien spacecraft plummeted across the desert floor in 1947 you know you you like that's just such an extraordinary thing you can't connect enough dots to come up with that you have to have qualified experts coming at it from different directions that all come to the same conclusions based on a number of different uh, research protocols and it, it's I feel for the people that are really attached to some of these stories I was much more willing to entertain these when I first started reading UFO books and stuff you know that's been decades ago now than I am now after I've seen so many of these stories and and tried to drill down through them and uh, so much of the time, if the people uh, are are even willing to entertain your questions, I mean, a lot of the time, like you say about stuff being off limits, it, it's just none of your business. That's my story, and you need to trust me. And <laughs> yeah, I've uh, got the proof, and I'd I'd show it to you. But I, you know, I'm kind of in a crunch right now, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> You know that that real that literally happened to me with Barbara Lamb. That story really? is in my really? book. That oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. She, she's yeah she's claimed that she has um uh you know just a a following of of ET human hybrids that she has worked with and in her words helped learn they were hybrids through hypnosis and uh, recovered memories. And I uh, was emailing with her one time and was asking her about that. And I was asking her, have any third party, you know, qualified people like, you know, actual doctors examine these people or, and she, uh, told me I needed to ask them and that, you know, it was pretty personal. And I was like, yeah, but wow, I mean, these are really extraordinary claims, you know, for you to be making as the researcher and ha have any, you know, at some point, are you going to to give some kind of reports? For I mean, like, like as as Doctor Coke John always says, maybe she just doesn't want to claim her Pulitzer. You know, like you you've got a, a ET human hybrid, you think here, and you're just not going to take them for actual examination. And yeah, she uh, did. Her response to me was that she was in a big rush right now, and that she just had 
have to get with me another time, you know? Well, see, that so reminds, there's that. that. That reminds me almost exactly of like the whole Melba Ketchum stuff. Now, this is Bigfoot. This is Bigfootery world, Sasquatchery. Right. But like she claimed that she had these 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 hairs that she tested, and that it, it was published in a periodic journal, a scientific journal. And she made all these claims that that was what it was. That that's what it was. Well, it turns out it was her scientific quote unquote scientific journal that she published it in. <laughs> so it's just a big circle, right? <laughs> <laughs> right and post in her yeah post in her her research on facebook and whatnot yeah, yeah right yeah right the the uh, see that whole attitude and i've said this till i'm blue in the face you know i don't know if you saw the skinwalker ranch documentary which i do want to get the bob i have not a bit. caught that either but you know at the no, end I the, the new owner is all he's all like blacked out and they modulate his voice. Right. And he says like, this is the biggest, this is going to change. This is going to change humanity, but we can't tell you yet. (laughs) And then I find out I did did some sleuthing on my own. Took me about five minutes to find this. I find out that this is all that, that, that it was an LLC that bought this thing and that they wanted one of their purposes for it is entertainment purposes. Like a yeah, like a paranormal yeah. theme park, basically. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that they might have. Yeah, the tours and the whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I am curious because you also wrote about this on the blog, and we've had this person on the show. Uh, this whole thing about Diana Pasoka and what happened. Right. What happened with Whitley Strieber and Dreamland, and I mean, you have some insight on this too. Yeah, I my general feeling is that I I just I don't care for um the the anonymity and that kind of thing. I can appreciate that an author or a journalist wants to protect their sources. I I'm a little I, I don't know. I, I'm not real, real big on it when it's uh, people with degrees and uh, work at universities that are um, basically spreading sensational stories and their beliefs while not having to be accountable for it as her sources seem to be doing. And what happened with Whitley Strieber was when she did his show, uh, Strieber reported in his newsletter that the there was uh, security person now that that didn't want to approve the second episode of the show and mm-hmm. so i i was curious about that like like how did these people present themselves to whitley and what kind of id and like what happened and so that i i uh have a contact that's that's close with whitley and uh worked with them on on getting a statement and um, he didn't meet them. It, it seems that this was done by email. And uh, then when I, I asked um, asked uh, Miss 
Ms. Walsh Basalka and I asked uh, and I asked her about it and she didn't want to comment on the um, security personnel or what that meant and uh, you know by then it's you know gotten around that, that Dr. Gary Nolan might be one of her contacts so yeah. I wrote him and asked if he wanted to comment on this alleged security personnel or the rumor that he's the contact and he said I don't want to kind don't want to comment on it and um I I I'll I'll just put it this way I don't respect playing it that way and uh they, it's their prerogative to do things how they want but I just don't think that that um that furthers the cause. I don't think um, it, it's helpful in a genre that, that is desperate for transparency. Yeah. I personally just don't buy the stories about all of the threats and the, uh, the um, uh, danger. Uh, I, I, in, in the case of Dr. Nolan, I really wouldn't even buy that it's a professional career concern because of how vocal he's been about all this with TTSA and he worked with Dr. Greer on that uh, Atacama humanoid debacle. And um, I, I just, you know, I don't respect the, the cloak and dagger lack of clarification. And, and if it really was such a uh, security concern, I mean, I, I think it wouldn't be so hard to find out who those people are. And and one thing I think really, you know, what I think is going on with that and with her book, which I really like her book, I really like her, but I think they're taken for granted that people in our communities are not, don't have access to or uh, are not a part of the academic discussion. Uh, so yeah. you know, we wouldn't have been able to find past research and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't, we're not a part of this discussion at all because we're, we're the kooky people who don't, who aren't serious. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I really liked her. I really liked the book, but after doing some research, you know, and then, and hearing that whole story about the Whitley Strieber stuff, it's like, this is not some kind of security concern, you know, I mean, there's, this is this information is not hard to find and I found it totally independently and yeah. it was just, yeah. 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 He, yeah. You found it independent what of the it, other people that found it. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. What it kind of sounded like to me was if someone's attorney wanted to look at something or they had a non-disclosure agreement yeah. that, that something like that needed to be, be reviewed and respected and but that's complete speculation i'm just guessing but it's juicier and to say that it was you know the, the, again yeah like, like right like we should be able to look to our academics to minimize the sensationalism not not arguably or at least be misinterpreted as trying to take advantage of its popularity yeah yeah and i i just wasn't um 
I, I'm just not real clear on whether that's helpful or not to um, to write about and and discuss on podcasts and all around our community blogs. Everyone was talking about anonymous people that claim to have certain credentials that don't want to be identified that want to get their get their messages out and i i'm just i'm just not not real big on that yeah same here i mean when when you wrote that and you posted it i I had already contacted about her having her on. She was coming on the show and I was kind of like, well, what if she says something then we can't put our show right, up, right. you know, like, <laughs> I mean, that was an actual concern, but you know, I, I think that, uh, whatever it was that she said, she didn't say on our show or anybody else's since then. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, like, a People are entitled to what, however they want to play it. It's her book. Um, she can do it how she wants. Dr. Nolan can conduct his affairs how they want. It's just, uh, and, and you know, there'd been other talk of uh, handlers, di- different different nouns were getting tossed around about who these people might be that would be concerned about about certain things said on on a podcast and i was really more curious at the um the process because like you being a podcaster and you you were having her on is really gives us a good opportunity here to discuss walk me through how this works like like you like does she get a copy and then gets back of the show then gets back in touch with you and just says these unnamed people say don't don't air this I mean, 30 minutes I, I, or something well, I, mean, like, <laughs> I posted the show and i mean i sent her the link to the show i didn't really hear anything back from her but you know i mean right that's i mean that was it you know, so I don't know whether or not, like with Streber, whether or not that's because he was so much more high profile than we are. Maybe that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was some kind of well, stunt from these people uh, are on Streber's part. It sounds like a Streber I, I know. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know because I I heard similar on, about another another podcast as well, but I didn't know exactly how that worked. And I got some flack about that post and my opinion on it on Twitter. Uh, most people suspected it was just some kind of BS stunt uh, by somebody or misinterpretations and that and then that should have been straightened out but some other people that were more in the camp of um the author and her contacts you know they're on to important stuff so the 
powers that be are working with them and and want to keep you know certain things secure that you know that i doubt some people did did seem to go that way and the flack i would get was like well you don't expect them to identify themselves do you and you know my response to that was but you can't censor a show without identifying yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if just some if you just get some email from somebody that says, "Hey, I'm an important dude in, in an important agency," you're just like gonna like not even read the whole thing, you know? I mean, like in order to act as an intelligence agent, you have to present identification and tell someone who you are. <laughs> And yeah. then state your business, you right. know. It's and not so over an email. Again, I really want, yeah, or yeah. or right, or you know, the, your guest tells you that somebody in such a capacity says really isn't good enough. But I can understand that that Whitley said he agreed to it because it was a condition of the podcast and. Uh, you know, that makes a little more sense, but I still wanted to know, especially since I'd heard it more than once by the time I heard it with Streber, I wanted to know the process of how how do, does this security personnel, like, what does that even mean? Who are they employed by? How do they identify themselves? And some of the flack on social media was... Um, well, you know, this is big, important stuff. They're not going to identify themselves. And like, well, then you can't expect a citizen to respect the authority if you don't identify yourself. I mean, it, it was, you know? it was and not hard so, to find. It was not hard to find for anybody. So it's there's definitely not uh, – yeah. I do not think there is some kind of real cons security concern. You even printed that. You even wrote that in your blog that uh, we know that Gary Nolan and we know who Tyler is now too. And it's really no one, nobody really knows. It's not a famous person, even in, in mm -hmm. even inside the community. Like Gary Nolan is fairly well known inside the UFO community. I've heard the name once or yeah, twice. It was, but it was yeah. not hard to find out who Tyler was. Yep. No, no, it's not. I mean, you just, the author didn't make it hard to find out. None of them did, which is another point of it that um, is not the way I do it. It's not my book, and they don't have to care, and neither does anybody else. But as long as we're talking about it, it's just not the way I do it that, that, you know, and quote unquote anonymous source that is pretty clearly identified if you pay attention, you know. Right. And we'll, we'll probably get off it here in a second. But the thing, when we first were reading uh, the book, me and Adam, you know, I was, I was telling him, I was like, this is, is this like the, what TTSA is for the masses, for the academic and intellectual community? You know, is this, this kind of, <laughs> fed from wherever uh, narrative that is, you know, this is for the more intellectual and academics, whereas TTSA is for like the pop culture. That's how I felt. That's an interesting, interesting way to look at it. I, along those lines, that's part of my interest in QAnon. It's almost like, um, 
like even if you go taking this thought a step further of them serving like as as a, a laboratory or experiment for for how to uh, get ideas out, propaganda, how to manipulate people. If you even go back to um, the 2000 to 2010 UFO communities on forums and things, um, it would almost seem like that would, like if it didn't serve as a lab, it certainly was part of the evolution of how we got to where we are now. And I almost think it's funny in a way sometimes that like how high profile politicians and attorneys and, you know, people with important gigs, for, you know, lack of a better term, carry on on social media like we did back in the day on, like, you know, Open Minds UFO Forum and stuff. I mean, it's just crazy, the the personal fights that go down and stuff on social media that are so similar to to like arguing over a UFO or a certain case or other, you know, on UFO casebook or something a few years ago. And I think that's an interesting point of that that different demographics would be more inclined to to read the academics or to follow the former musician in DeLong or um, just go whole hog on QAnon is an interesting, interesting way to look at it. Yeah, definitely the DeLong, I think, is there to, you know, he's there for the kids. Because I do feel like people in the intelligence community, and there are people that are involved with TTSA that are definitely intelligence community people. But well, I definitely think that they're just completely on hip. They, th- they still think Blink-182 is huge. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think all the people in the pop punk would be more likely cops than the uh, yeah. more hardcore punk people. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, and just for the record, as far as like um, podcasting goes, when I have a guest on, the guests will usually tell me, since we're always pre-record, we're never live, right, can right. you take that out? And yeah. we do and respect we do those bunch, wishes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's never like, you know, I don't have the, some shadow government saying, you need to take that out right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah and see, yeah. And see, that was my thing was like, how would that even work? man? Yeah, I, <laughs> I was kind of yeah. paranoid to be honest. I got kind of paranoid a couple of times. Cause like my computer that I record the podcast on, I yeah, also I do like talk all, him down a couple all of my musical projects, you know, like my whole life's work. And I'm like, damn Adam, I don't want him taking my hard drive. Well, then right, we we did have right. a weird incident with one guest where, like, I think they sent a virus to Rob's computer. And yeah, that was bizarre. The, it was, and it was a whistleblower. <laughs> I think he Episode. did it. Oh, I think uh, he. I'm, I'm, I am convinced he did it. He sent that through Skype. Maybe it was so weird. Like yeah. we could still hear him, but he couldn't hear us. So he like wrapped it up from his end. Like, well, if you're still hearing this, like. And then it trailed off, and we had to go to Adams to finish the episode. I was, I almost. We quit. had to do the the next episode over there. I, I yeah. almost quit the podcast after that. But it, like his computer started <laughs> acting really weird. It, like reset itself. Yeah. It, it like maybe like entering my language <laughs> I, preferences I, and everything again. Like it was. 
I have the biggest respect for you guys that do this and stay with it because I've thought about it a few times because I'm like, you know, it'd be fun to like talk about it and, you know, talk to people I think are interesting and, uh, you know, they, they might be so much more forthcoming, you know, just chatting instead of emailing back and forth. And, but then it's stories like this and things, people I know that have done it well and done it a long time. I I know that so much work goes into it, man, where it sounds like we're just hanging out talking on the phone, but all the editing and the technical stuff. And I I know it's a, it's a bear of a gig. Yeah. It's rewarding though. It it, it is. I I thank you for that, Jack. Thank you for saying that. Let's talk about Bob Lazar because I know that red pill put out a new um, article on daily grail today. I think actually, as we're recording this April 23rd, and um, I think you've got some thoughts on on this. Like, you know, this has just made a comeback because of Jeremy Corbell's documentary. Um, so, you know, now th- this thing that happened 30 years ago, we're still hearing the same stuff and nobody's really... I mean, I even even Chris Wolfer told me he didn't really mind any new... Any, anything new. So... What's your thoughts on all this with Lazar? Oh, man, it, it's just like the the same answer over and over, you know, that it, it's, uh, it, what, what does anyone expect a rational, reasonable person to do, but shrug their shoulders and say, well, I mean, that's a pretty big story, so I got to kind of doubt it without something more than a story and i i don't know what they could expect us to do and then when someone starts pointing out inconsistencies in the story not unlike ramanek that we kicked off with then they'll say well well just because of this doesn't mean his claim isn't true and that kind of puts us on our heels then on the defensive of as if we failed to prove it's not true when that's just not how it works so i don't you know i i had tweeted that how many chances you know how many times can uh how many free passes does bob lazar and his promoters get before people in the ufo community will accept that there's just no substitute for verifiable proof and the answer to that seems to be that they get as many free passes as they want because Mm -hmm. you can just keep coming back again and again and again and again and call it an amazing inside whistleblower story and People want to hear it, I guess, and it it it's disappointing that there's so much of this because we could, you know, we could talk about some interesting sightings, some interesting cases of um, 
what we might call high strangeness or alleged alien abduction. I, I think some of you guys have probably had experiences. I think that we've all known people that aren't high-profile people, that aren't looking for podiums, that aren't looking to be the subject of films, that have things that have happened to them that they just say, well, I don't know. Here's how I remember it. And, and those may be some of our actual, our actual best stories is the ones that are lesser known that are maybe that aunt in Indiana or that, that, that cousin out in, out in Nevada or something. But when we look at these stories of high profile people that, like you were saying about Romanek, it almost seems like he just had to keep coming up with more material. It, it's almost kind of sad, and there's really nothing we can do but just shrug and say, I don't know, man, you know, if you get something more than a story, you know, you got my email, what, what else can I tell you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, with Lazar, I mean, the latest thing has been that documentary came out. Then he gets he gets raided by the FBI, which for I mean that was for some I don't I don't even remember what it was, but but it was for something dealing with some fraud or something that he did or, but but he gets raided by the FBI, and of course that becomes well. They're looking for that element 115 or whatever that was that he He's stole from S4 or, or whatever, you know, it, 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 it's like, and so you're just recycling the same old story. And it's just like, you know, it, another thing that I have noticed about the UFO community and you bring up a good point and where there's never any kind of accountability. Nobody holds these within that community, within that echo chamber. Nobody holds anybody accountable for the things that they, for the things that they say. It's very much like the evangelical prophecy community in that there's always this claim of, Oh, the world is going to end or this event or Satan is going to rise out of the, the Washington monument in 2012 Oh, forget I said that. It's 2016. Oh, forget I said that. It's 2025. <laughs> you know, like, you know. <laughs> and so there's never, but nobody ever calls these people out and says, oh, you said this earlier. Nobody in that community calls those people out. So they just keep going with the same shtick. And, and it, right. Yeah. And the disclosure um, community is the same way. You know, that, that little subset of the ufology where, you know, that like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, you know, it's like, well, then they're like, well, the rapture is coming. The rapture, and it's, it's the same thing. The same process is repeated. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the FBI raid thing, that is such a good example of the confirmation bias that... that there's so many explanations for why the FBI might have taken an interest in him at different times that don't have anything to do necessarily with story. And I actually had somewhat of a, a personal brush with this kind of thing that, that helped me understand it more clearly. 
I was working with someone several years ago on uh, some UFO stuff, and they became convinced that they were under surveillance. And, uh, you know, a lot of us have known people that this happened. This certainly wasn't the only person I'd know that knew that felt like they were. And this person, though, uh, one of the reasons I was working with them is they were high in integrity and they were honest. And they decided to, uh, rather than just, you know, fostering the mystery, actually do something about it. And they consulted an attorney if their suspicions were correct and all what they wanted to know what um what what choices what options they had about it and one of the things that that they shared with me and I really appreciated that they told me about this was they explained some other circumstances in their life that, that were taking place and that involved uh, relatives and uh, a situation that the attorney told them they could virtually count on being under surveillance about these issues until it was resolved. And I appreciated that and see it had nothing to do with their interest in researching UFOs mm-hmm. and um, I think that probably happens a whole lot. Another thing that I think happens is that UFO researchers might even keep slapping the hornet's nest, you know, poking the beehive till they, they get a response and then act like um, this that's being visited by an intelligence agency or, or being questioned or being asked about their intentions about some things, they'll then present that as um, some kind of evidence that they're on the right path and that there's a, a cover-up taking place. And it's almost like provoking a response so that you can... can uh, present yourself as more important than than what you're doing might actually be. I think them, that happens. Gives them credibility. I, I think they see it that way as you know, like like, like being in the club of people <laughs> that are that are harassed by the IC or some. Yeah, you got yeah. street. You got that street cred. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know it is nuts, isn't uh-huh. it? But well, that's, it is that's exactly the kind what, of thing that, too that it takes a while. That's exactly what Romanek did. You know, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I got beat up by these two guys. You know, and 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 yeah. that gave yeah. him that like it, that gave him the street cred within the community. Well, like this guy, you know, this guy really did get beat up. You know, and then like the, the, there's been a lot of other craziness in recent years. I mean, you know, um, when we were at uh, we were in Roswell, um, there was everybody was was eating dinner, like Greg Bishop and a couple other guys. And one of the guys had been like a, I mean, almost like lifelong. I don't remember his name, but lifelong Mufon member. And he actually like while he was there eating at that restaurant in Roswell. He actually threw away his MUFON membership because they had just gotten so crazy 
and had gone just so off the deep end. And it's like you'd think like MUFON has just become I mean, they're I mean almost totally just not even itself anymore because they've been so I think co-opted by the by New Age, like Jay Z Knight and the Rama stuff. Corey Good. Uh-huh. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I rem I, I remember that, yeah. Um I I thought the JC Knight thing was was uh kinda interesting in its bizarreness, at least the stories I was hearing. I, I never met her. Um I haven't read any of her stuff either. Um the uh the John Ventry episode was and continues to be a a bit of a head scratcher as well. And, um, whatever his, his views about, you know, politics and white nationalism may be aside, it's a bizarre, bizarre, uh, um, chain of events. I, I really don't know what to say about MUFON. One of the things that was most insulting to me was that their mission statement, you know, claims they're dedicated to scientific study. And that was really my biggest beef with them was, you know, I, I'm not at the hypnosis society demanding they stop conducting hypnosis because it's clear that's what they exist for. Or, you know, where if you're going to claim to be dedicated to scientific study and, and then you uh, you advocate hypnosis, you, you don't follow scientific protocols, you actually the reason I was even writing Barbara Lamb in that that story I told you earlier was because I got a notice from MUFON that was having her as a speaker and that it was in this MUFON email that um, she was making her claims of uh, having met all these um, ET human hybrids that like it, it really does just defy you know even like like Critical thinking 101, like just rational thought that they don't give much thought to how come this hypnotist happened to meet all these people? Like if the hypnotist mm-hmm. is the common denominator, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't it just seem obvious that she's influencing their thinking? And it just goes to show how we get so embedded in a belief that that seems reasonable, you know, and like with David Jacobs and his evil hybrids and Barbara Lamb has the the loving hybrids and uh, the good aliens bizarre and the bad stuff. We talked about that yeah, last the, week. The, the, they seem to flock to those those researchers. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It, yeah, and so it's it, it's confirmation bias and it's a belief system, and I still don't understand how you can hypnotize somebody through instant messenger. 
<laughs> oh, that that was. <laughs> no one has still explained that satisfactorily to me. <laughs> oh, that was so crazy. For those listening that might not know, he's yeah referring to David Jacobs. Uh, his entourage was text messaging each other for hypnosis, and basically that worked with the same way as. Uh, regular regressive hypnosis, just you'd text your answers to the questions. So there's that. <laughs> We're in the wrong business, Adam. That, and, that I know, man. I that know and, uh, that and and and, and uh, getting panties shipped to you across the across the country. That it, it it was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> research and, purposes only. Yes, research purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's it's terrible like i can understand you know it it's you laugh out of just disbelief yeah. that it can go that far and at the same time it it's really tragic to the people that are hurt in the process that that you know trusted in these people and looked to them for support and and wanted answers for their experiences and maybe some of them liked the attention they were getting and and liked that it felt valid and like their suspicions were validated and it's just really horrible that all that just seems to be you know because some researcher like David Jacobs just liked the gig. I don't know, man. You know, I don't know. It's um, it's just horrible that it, it goes that far. Yeah. What kills me about David Jacobs, and he actually said this on uh, this show, is that he really, um, he just thinks that the contactees in the 1950s were just ridiculous. And they were ridiculous, but yet this same guy says this, and then he's coming out with, "Oh well, there's alien human, there's hubrids, and they're you know they're 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 listening in on my phone lines, they're messing around with my text messages, you know." It's just like this, and that's totally like that totally makes sense to him, and like how you get to that point, I know. Yeah. What I want to know is really, I mean, how I, how lucrative has this stuff been for some people? It can't be that lucrative, can it? I mean, yeah. I know people get some nice little checks from from speaking engagements and and whatnot and selling books and DVDs, but I mean, is it that lucrative, or are they just getting off on the power trip? I guess like I I think a lot of it's the latter. Um, I'm sure some of them make decent money, but I I think a lot of them. Uh, might be in uninteresting academic positions. Uh, they they might get on the back side of their careers. Um, aren't really looked at as interesting. They're they're you know just start feeling like a, a cog in a wheel, like a lot of us might. And I think there's a lot of benefits other than than the financial. Like if people are clamoring to talk to you at a conference or people uh, 
you've like got a, a whole um, list of people to choose from for that want to be the subject of your next investigation. I, I think some of those might be the payoffs as well. Yeah. Jack, just in closing, where do you think this stuff is going? Like, are we just going to see just more and more craziness? Is it, is, I mean, is it, is it just going to just, just a big circle and just, it's, is it just going to be, just get more popular? By its nature, it seems more circular than linear. Things can get crazier like QAnon through the spread of them. And as, as humankind keeps figuring out more effective and faster ways to reach large numbers of people. But the stories themselves seem kind of circular because they can only go to a certain point without actual confirmation. So I think we're going to keep retreading and retelling some of the same stories. As for the people that may have experienced something, you know, since that are sincere people that see things that they don't know what they are and don't understand what they are. I I really don't know what what can be done about that or where it's gonna go that that is not some kind of research that tries to exploit those people and the topic. I, what do you guys think about that? I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, too. I think that it's just going to keep going the way that it is. I, I, I don't see that there's going to be any kind of like major breakthrough. I think maybe the major breakthrough may, if there is a major breakthrough, it's going to be in that we accept people's personal experiences and we don't sensationalize them. We just report them. And that maybe some of this science fiction ET stuff will fall away and we'll get back to maybe looking at other, looking at this as maybe some kind of uh, a form of religious experience mm -hmm. instead of something that is tangible and material. I think that maybe like um, Dr. Jeffrey Kripal's work is kind of starting to take the, at least the alien abduction, the alien contact stuff more seriously. And I hope that it goes that way. I hope that we're able to look at that and like the, um, the ayahuasca material and kind of really start taking all that kind of seriously that we, that there could be a real substantial other that communicates with us. That's the only, that's where I think that, that it could go seriously, but all this other stuff is just going to be the same old tired thing. And you're still going to have these charlatans that are going to be out there like Corey good that are going to say, well, I was a Martian super soldier and I had a rail gun named Betty Lou. And <laughs> you know, this, which is a reference to a, to mm -hmm. a past guest that we had. Um, you know, I, I just think that that is going to continue and that's, that's what's going to sell the tickets to the conferences. That's what's going to sell people watching the TV shows. Um, and the, just the misinformation is just going to continue while meanwhile, there's going to be this kind of underlying um, real work happening on the, the contact material. But the, 
yeah, I think the other stuff is just going to get even more just science fictiony and sci-fi and you know. Well, I, think, and I, yeah. I think the religion stuff may be a part of it as well. I think the circular logic to it is well, I think the, the, the circular nature has a lot to do with just successive generations and that, you know, suckers born every minute and you have whole new generations of people getting into it who don't understand even the uh, yeah. early 2000s or the 90s, what happens. All so the 15 year olds are watching security. Yeah. Everything is brand new yeah. and they're going through the same, uh, you know, the same phases. Uh, so there's room for that to keep going on and on. Um We've been exploring, you know, the role of technology in this, so there that might have something to do with where it's going as far as this being some kind of new, a, a part of a new technological religion um, or ideology. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. That's the only thing new I really see, but I see the, the new generations coming into it being really why things can just be endlessly recycled. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? Totally agree. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't follow this stuff as closely as you guys do, as far as. Um, well, I'm following it, and I'm still confused by it. So, <laughs> yeah. well, that makes me feel better then. Yeah. The advancing technology does change the narrative too. Like, yeah, the the. Uh, Electronic technology is going to play a bigger and bigger role, and the advances in um, cost-effective genetic testing really put the brakes on the alien abduction narrative. You know, I mean, it's there's so many ways to test claims that in the 80s were just throw your hands up in the air, what can you do? Right. Where now, um, you if you claim you got even hybrids, you know, walking around your house all the time, there's so many cost-effective ways to to try to get that under a glass that um, just changes changes the direction the the researchers are going to go with those stories. I think. Yeah, I think so too. What's next for you? Jack, and what do you have on the plan? And is there a new? You got a new book working on, maybe or maybe so, maybe so. I uh, for all of the reasons we've talked about tonight, what is interesting to me are the social aspects of uh, UFOs. I I don't think that the FOIA process is going to be of much good to actually find anomalies or uh, any uh, confirmation of, of true mysteries, I, I'm pretty doubtful about that. But I do think that it's interesting in finding, uh, in, finding intriguing cases that don't necessarily have something to do with UFOs, but involve UFO people, like we were talking about how, um, you know, you can be under surveillance from a police department or an intelligence agency for any number of reasons, and you might just happen to be a UFO researcher. And there, I think there's some interesting cases about that kind of stuff. And I think there's some interesting cases that involve 
people with security clearances and getting targeted as uh, um, uh, possible information sources. And uh, the easy way in might be the UFO topic. Yeah. Because it's so, by nature, just keep it on the download. Don't talk to your boss about it. Don't tell people who you know because it's personal. And we always, you know, do this confidentiality, you know, like even we were saying the academics want to use, you know, uh, anonymous names. And uh, it, I think to me that's an interesting direction to go about it. Is if if we're not going to find out any more about what, if anything, unusual is flying around up there, there are some interesting stories about the people that get caught up in it, and uh, we can get a little more of the mystery, like like this researcher recently did about Lazar that the FBI raid that was spun one way um, by the filmmaker and Lazar uh, the FBI source you know and the or the a local police department report did did not corroborate that at all and actually contradicted it and so i i think there's some intro interesting social aspects to this and i continue to to pull on some of those strings and uh that that's pretty much my interest in it at this point okay yeah very good well thank you jack for coming on um and where can people get in touch with you and also find the grays have been framed my blog is the UFO Trail, and it's a Google blog, so it's ufotrail.blogspot.com, and you can uh, read my post there, and in the sidebar is a link to my book, which is available on Amazon, The Grays Have Been Framed, Exploitation in the UFO Community, and I'm also on Twitter. Uh, we can... Uh, connect on Twitter at the UFO Trail, and always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Adam. Excellent, excellent, Jack. Stay on the line for us. We're going to close this section out, and we will be back to close out the show on Conspiracy Normal. If you want your HR team to hire top talent for your company, tell them about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your company's job posts so you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, which helps us a lot. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, man, you're hiring. All right, we're back. So, yeah, thoughts. Back. Pretty cool, man. He's a pretty cool dude. Yeah, I do like, I like Jack a lot. That was real fun. Yeah. Getting a more skeptical viewpoint. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's always good to talk to someone that uh, does a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's very, very serious and very, very thorough about the stuff that he does. Guy's like a bulldog. I don't he do goes any for research, the attack ever. 
but you'd rather just like whatever the internet tells you you're fine with well i don't i also don't claim to know anything ever so <laughs> it works uh, okay. out pretty well it does work out pretty well yeah yeah i you know how many people have come up to me and said hey man you got to watch the secure team video i'm like man no no i don't <laughs> <laughs> secure team 10 is this uh vlogger on uh youtube that has a bunch of like spurious ufo footage uh, oh uh, wow supposedly it's supposedly that's like the big thing now is like secure team 10 on youtube he gets like millions of hits he's got the all the videos of the yeah this is it mostly cgi yeah it's probably mostly cgi that's what i was thinking man the golden age of like ufo photographs is just like over with well i know that yeah. no one's using pythons yeah. anymore yeah no one's doing Hubcaps. It's are all out. it's all different. Yeah. Nobody's like putting like pieces of like what a cupcake and like throwing Shh. pans and throwing them up in the sky anymore. <laughs> you know? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Nobody nobody's doing such things. Yeah, I'm just glad that oh. I captured some some uh, aerial phenomenon on yes. actual film when I was thirteen years old. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. It uh there was, there's no tomfoolery on that one. That was there's that no was 100 percent real. That was before CGI. That was definitely before, before CGI, CGI was economical. Yeah, yeah. It could be like Ed Walters though, and have the little like you know lamp that you turn on, and it's it's in, in the, the back, window. Uh, I in the window, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, Ed Walters is a Gulf Breeze, um, where we actually uh, Sarah Fiel and I were like in January, right, and. uh he, every one of them had like this picture of like this mothership, you know, not not the the P funk mothership, but not to mo- be confused. Yeah, not to be confused with that mothership. I know where that mothership is. Swing low, sweet chariot, and let me ride. But uh, that one is uh, was pictures that he had took taken, um, and it always looked like something like shining through a window. And when Walters died. They went back and they took the they they found that thing sitting in his house. So it's kind of a, it's kind of, kind of damning. But you, you know, you'll still have people that say no, no, that's show, not what happened. Yeah, show Rob later because like because he he's take he takes a picture of it in the window, obviously, but there's a reflection. So there's like the trees and stuff in the background from the reflection, yeah, and then the light from the lamp in the window, right? And so it's like <laughs> and I like the I've dogs in the in the shot, you know, <laughs> looking at it like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right, so Rob, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, so uh, which Serfiel is one of those like. One percent of people that's never seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm only hard sci-fi, no fantasy. My, my favorite are the people that are like, uh, "Is it too late to catch up? Can you explain what's going on?" No, <laughs> no, I can't. Well, you might want to say that you actually read all the books, but you hadn't watched the show. Yeah, until... I, read, I read all the books multiple times, and then when after eight years it became obvious he wasn't going to write any more books, I started watching the show. Yeah, but it is a phenomenal story, and. The best part about it is the characters and, and the plotline twists and stuff. Like the, the characters are all super believable. They all act the way that, not the way you would expect them to, but the way that they do because they are who they are. If that makes sense. But I think what's going to happen: we're two episodes deep now in the final season of six episodes, and 
by the time this comes out, the new episode will be out. So there's no spoilers or anything here. I think they're just all going to die. Next episode. Just dead. Like everybody? Everybody. Crap, you're like the QAnon of Game of Thrones, There's going to be like, no, check it out. There's going to be three. Jon Snow is going to die again? All of them. And there's going to be three more episodes, and it's just going to be a shot of Winterfell with snow covering the dead bodies. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Rob, are you cute? A guy guy that I work with, he told me that um, he... What he thinks is going to happen is you're going to have the final battle scene of like the from like the next to the last episode is going to be the battle scene. It's going to be inconclusive, and the next episode is just George R. R. Martin just jerking off into <laughs> <laughs> a pile and, of money. <laughs> and, 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 and I thought <laughs> I, I, I said I said you should like you you should like like instead of all that you should just have him like doing dishes like walking his dog. Like doing everything but but working on the next yeah. Game of Thrones novel. <laughs> right. God, I'm so bored. What should I be doing right now? <laughs> and then just like going to bed and turning out the light, and that's it. That's the end of the, that's the end of the series. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Well, the show is pretty brutal. I mean, they 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 have no compunction about killing people off. Oh, and characters are about to die. Yeah. In mass. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the like epic battle that they're working up to. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, and this whole last episode is just like um, relationships resolving, like people like you know everyone kind of almost saying their goodbyes. Yeah. Well, we'll know, of course, by the time this is actually posted. Yeah. Who will die on Game of Thrones and who will not? So dun, dun. you look a little, little anxious there, buddy. I am. I'm going to cry. There's like, oh, a, I have a list of people it. that if they die, I, yeah. I might have to watch this like by myself because I can't have my family seeing me like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a real fan, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> My kids still sort of respect me at this point. <laughs> you, can, you can get caught up still, man. You can still get caught up, Sarfiel. Cool. You can do you, <laughs> <laughs> you know every every in every in and out of Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> or you can read the six books that don't ever resolve because there's not another one. You're waiting for the Dune television series. No, That's I, I'm, I'm really angry because they're working on the movie. And oh. It's supposed to be my you know, my little thing and now it's gonna be everybody's so Well there already has been a movie. Well yeah, but <laughs> But you know, There's actually been at least it was kind of, you know, like a joke, and I'm like, yeah, you don't know, uh, but this is going to be like big budget, and you yeah. know, it's going to ruin it completely. I saw, I saw You're a meme. Job, it's not gonna no, be it's going to be terrible. I don't well, mind. I don't mind the the, the '80s one. I liked it. Well, uh, it I, I think the director is going to be pretty solid. I mean, the guy that's doing it is the guy who did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, which I thought were both excellent movies. Those were good. They were, Those they were, were good, yeah. but. But it's my thing, man. It's Dune, man. I can't help but feel that they're going to kind of water it down and dumb it down to appeal to as many all these posers trying to talk to me about stuff, man. Yeah. What's the Kizach Hatterach? What what does that mean? They don't know, man. Well, Well, and there's no way. The story is just too long and epic to even, like, to get to Chapter House... I mean, well, that's why they should do like a Game of Thrones series. type show on yeah. Dune. I mean, it, that would probably work for it. 
That might be cool, yeah. Yeah, I've only read the first book. I don't know. I'm just I haven't read any. How many books are there? Like seven? Uh, Counting his six. son's stuff? No, not his son's. Oh, just Frank, it was like six, I yeah, think. Yeah, six. Well, you've read, have you read most of them, Rob? Just the first three. Just the first three? It gets way too heady after that. Like, yeah. It gets awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to trudge through it, but I, I'm, I've been reading like a book every th- few years or so. There, I saw a meme. It had a, it had the like the I guess the poster of the movie, and it said uh, Star Wars for goths. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, next time we have got Walter Bosley coming on. Uh, that's who I have scheduled to talk about the esoteric Napoleon, which I'm rapidly going through now and is an interesting rather interesting book so we'll have a a lot to talk about i believe we'll be back in studio b for that one i think so but uh any parting thoughts any words of wisdom oh the your orgone accumulator we're gonna talk yeah we want to we'll say you're gonna make it we, we got a project going on oh yeah we're gonna build one yeah okay. since, since rob is our new our new construction worker Resident Carpenter. Yep. He is yeah. he's going to build our Orgone accumulator. Maybe <laughs> you should edit this out because we don't want the FDA coming after us. <laughs> We're no, making I, no I think, medicinal claims whatsoever. That's right. yeah. I, I think we'll I think we'll be all right. I don't know if any of us really believes in Orgone, but it'd be cool to do. So I didn't look that hard. It's just a box with like a, a shop vac hoser. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of chore boys and cotton. I mean, I have a shop bag. We just line that. I don't even need to build a box. Oh yeah, it's like the it shoots orgone at you. Yeah, orgone air. <laughs> what does it come out like a little smoke? That would be great. And we could set it. I can attach it to the reverse side, and yeah, we can just like. I don't know, man. You don't want to be activating everyone's like kundalini like gun. that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that kundalini out of control, man. Like that, the article did say that you don't want to take it too high of a dose when you first start. So yeah. well, we better we better not get Soraya anywhere near it. Yeah, because no. that's he's got some real active kundalini. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Rob, tell everybody where they can find us on Patreon. Which by now we should have the the latest Romper Room episode, which is available on Patreon. Ooh. Uh, go to patreon.com slash conspiranormal we got lots of bonus episodes i don't even know how many at this point yeah. but all kinds of bonus content up there um it's a great way to help support the show and all, like i said all kind of cool stuff there if you want to help the show but you don't want to subscribe to anything you can do a one-time donation on our website and if you'd like to help out but you don't want to invest any money in it you can just tell your friends give us a nice five-star review email us call us message us on facebook we love all of it. Yeah. And and send all the bad stuff to uh to the to Rob. He likes to answer that. I do. I love those. the bad stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. We will be back next week on Conspiranormal. This to me is like, like, like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists.
possibilities here are pretty mind-boggling. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done